Hey, this is Fred Benlenti, and you're listening to Superior Spider Talk. Flip. Welcome to the Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdin, and I'm the editor of GrindMyReels.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for our 22nd episode of Superior Spider Talk. <sighs> we hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes. <laughs> and for episode 22, we'll be discussing the 20th issue of Superior Spider-Man. We'll then quickly discuss our feelings about the arms of the octopus story and finish with a discussion of a classic issue. For this episode, we'll be discussing the Owl-Octopus War issues of Spectacular Spider-Man, which are numbers number 73 to 79. If you want to skip to a specific section, just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. Also, if you hear this lovely sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. All right. Well, why don't we uh, kick things off with Superior Spider-Man number 20, Dan? All right. You know, it's it's funny. I was uh, doing some some math in my head, which I know is is kind of hard, but um, I, I realized the last time we got an issue like this, Dan, it was Superior Spider-Man number ten, ten issues ago, after nine issues of a fever pitch uh, boil over from Dan Slott. So um, we, we're, we're at that point again after nineteen, which was very um, plot heavy and and whatnot, where we had more of a kind of a cool down character story and. Um, you know, for me, this this came at a great time. I think we needed one of these. You know, we've, we've talked about this in the past that it's just great to be able to check in on the Spider-Man supporting cast every once in a while. Um, I felt like we got some good stuff from MJ. We got some good stuff from uh, Aunt May and, and Jameson Sr. We got some good stuff. Um, with uh, Anna Maria, um, you know, uh, we we, ha- we we had a black cat cameo. Although I don't know if uh, the character was featured as prominently as you, the cover would have suggested, but overall, like these are the stories we like, right? Yeah, these are my favorite kind of Spider-Man stories, especially like Dan Slott stories that kind of like check in on everybody. Because if there's one thing Dan Slott's good at, it's kind of like balancing all these different plot lines. And whether they're satisfying or not, he's good at kind of checking in on them. And when it's done so like um, 
like well integrated into each other like this issue is it's one that I really enjoy and I can think back to like um, some of my favorite issues like his first issue uh, as the sole writer on it you know 648 uh, was one of these kind of check in with everybody but still have like a core story the storyline of that issue was him like fighting Dr. Octopus's robots and there was also another one of these check in issues after Spider Island which I really loved with that wonderful ending at the Empire State Building. These are just my favorite stories to get from Slot, um, you know, when they're done right. And really, there's, there's, there's some of these big uh, battle stories we've been getting have no Peter Parker in them. And he's the reason I read the book and his supporting cast. So I, I like get reading these issues, these issues. Yeah, I mean, I think outside of the altercation with Black Cat, we, we didn't see Spider-Man in this comic, right? I mean, it was mainly... Either, you know, Peter or Peter in quotation marks, I guess, and then everyone else in the supporting cast. Yeah, um, and, you know, as much as you were saying the last issue that, we, you know, we, we really liked all the, the big changes to the universe and things that are moving forward. And I think that this, this issue was a little overhyped by Dan Slott. He was saying, like, it will make you cringe every four pages, and I certainly never felt that. But I will say that this is the kind of story where I like really felt all of the um, the big changes that were going on in the issue. I mean, they're not as big as like Horizon Labs disappearing and Alchemax being built, but to me, they were more powerful. Like you know, because they were Peter Parker moments, and that's what I care about more than anything. So for a way, this one was a bit more shocking in terms of uh, advancement than even issue nineteen was for me. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is, you know, I think now that the table is officially being set for how Otto being in Pete's body is is really going to destroy his life. I mean, we're, we're we're now seeing Peter's life unraveling, and and things are being set up for more to unravel. Um, you know, the the scene that kind of stuck out to me above the others, and it was a quiet scene. It wasn't um, a, a hyped scene, and I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about it was um with aunt may and um jameson at the when they're taking out the loan and you know otto is kind of puffing his chest out like oh i'll be able to pay you back tenfold or whatever and aunt may kind of very quietly goes well you know pride goeth before the fall peter and it was you know like i I raised you better than that and and you know to me it was kind of a throwback line to kind of classic Aunt May because, you know, what, what, the reason why I feel like Aunt May is such a pivotal character is, you know, yeah, she was, for the bulk of her early existence, was kind of an obstacle. I mean, it was always, you know, she's going to have a heart attack, she's going to drop dead, and all this other stuff. But, like, in the midst of that, she would have these, like, moments, I feel, of, like, clarity as if she knew more was going on than, than, than she let on um, about her nephew and and what was going on in his life. I mean, not necessarily did she know if he was Spider-Man or not, but like she was being very insightful that something was up. And I felt like this was one of those moments where she was like, you know, you're not talking like my nephew, you know, there's something, there's something to miss here. And I don't think that the conclusion she's going to come to is, you know, a super villain has switched bodies with you. But again, it's just like another, I think, set up for a, a, a critical relationship of Peter's to fracture and fall apart. Yeah, what's what's also painful about that scene is that, like, not only is Peter, like, putting his own reputation and money into his Parker Industries that he's trying to create, but he's also putting, you know, his 
you know, aunt and uh, I guess uh, uncle in law, step uncle, step uncle, or <laughs> step uncle. I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, uh, all of their money on the line too, as well as Anna Maria. You know, like he is bringing everybody in this, and you're gonna watch. You know, the painful thing is we're gonna watch all of Peter Parker's relationships seemingly fall apart. Um, and that's extra painful for me to watch because everybody is in such good, clear conscience trying to help out their, you know, this person that they love who's just taking advantage of them. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was extra painful to watch. I mean, I think I think there's been so much focus since the superior status quo has begun about, you know, when is Peter coming back? I mean, not from us, but, you know, generally or, or, or he's coming back. And, you know, I don't think we've really taken time to stop and think about what's he coming back what's he going to come back to and you know there's a part of me where if things keep going down the path they're going i mean do, he, does, does do we want him back for this he's, you know? he's better off dead yeah <laughs> i mean this is this is this is becoming a disaster um and, and you know kind of another moment is um we talked about the black hat thing now i mean did, did you feel cheated with not enough black cat in this issue, I don't know where there there there's a kind of a cult of black cat out there. I don't know if you're part of that. I was kind of speculating based on this cover what would be in this issue, and obviously we didn't get any of that. And I know the next issue will probably be like a black cat stunner versus, or probably a stunner versus black cat thing or something. Or no, the both of them versus Spider Man. Sorry, right. um, I don't really feel cheated. I mean, I feel like this storyline is going to be what it is. And we'll get Stunner on the cover of one issue and Black Cat on the cover of the other issue. I'm not really one of those people. Like, I like it to be vaguely representative of what's inside the book, but I'm not buying this book because of what I see on the cover. And to be honest, if I get a cover with Black Cat on it and another cover with Stunner on it that's both cool art, then, you know, I, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I do feel like what Otto did was in character with Black Cat. I mean, you know, he's got a history there, which we'll talk about a little later in the podcast. Um, you know, he's kind of, you know, into apprehending crit criminals, both petty and otherwise. So, you know, he punched her and, and webbed her up. I mean, you know, what else is he supposed to do? I mean, um, but yeah, I, I mean, guess what, a romantic looking black cat will sell more books than a webbed up tooth missing black cat. On this the is cover. true. Yeah, this is. Um, but what did you think about, about her vow of vengeance? I mean, you know, do you feel that? At this point with the character, she's really somebody who can screw at Peter's life in a meaningful way. I, I don't really know. I mean, she doesn't have her bad luck powers anymore, as far as I know. And uh, I don't know. I mean, like, he just decks her and she's out. I mean, what is she going to do to take on, you know, Peter Parker? Uh, uh, at best, she could be a nuisance. But I guess we're going to find out um, in the next issue what what she has up her sleeve. Yeah, I mean, it's not like she can come in and wreck his marriage because he doesn't have that anymore. I don't know. Like, I, I just kind of found that whole thing to be a little corny. Um, I mean, not not terrible, but, you know, like, I'll get you for this. It's like, okay, how? <laughs> like, what can you really do at this point? I mean, the last time she was in a Spider-Man comic, she was, like, going off the swing with Daredevil, which I thought was kind of cheap. I mean, the character character really hasn't been given justice in a while so I no mean, she's just this like sex pot in a in a black costume like 
Yes. The, I guess maybe the like key image of Black Cat that you can take away from how she's been written for the past several years is her in that milk bath with her boobs floating in the water as cats lapped up the milk she swam in. Uh, kind of an awful depiction of, of, a, of a woman. Um, not to mention, like, that milk is probably pretty bad. Uh <laughs> Uh, for reasons I won't get into, but let's let's just say I don't think bathing your body in milk is overly healthy for your body. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, but you know, moving on from one former lover to another, what what did we think of MJ in this issue? I mean, I, I like I, I was just happy to see MJ with swagger again. I mean, when was the last time we saw MJ with swagger? Not for a while. She's kind of been like looking on in Peter's shadow for quite some time. Maybe Spider Island is the last time we saw her with Swagger when she got spider powers. Um, but not like like uh, I'm MJ, the fashion model out for a prowl kind of sla- swagger, you know? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like it was this amazing character moment, but it was just, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, MJ has just been kind of you know i don't even say second fiddle i mean like just been very tertiary for a while i mean you know her her only appearances have just been kind of to you know not serve auto you know spider-man but you know like it, it, it's she hasn't really served any real purpose she's just been she's just been an object you know i mean i hate to boil it down like that and certainly you know she's she's definitely all kind of uh dialed up here and, and and walking the streets and getting the damn reactions from people but even I, mario I stopped to take a look exactly but i felt she was more empowered in this issue yeah i mean she's doing it on her own to make herself feel good and you know i guess it's better than than just being a a, a phone call away i mean it's still not the ideal personification that i would look for for a woman in comic books, but it's a step better than we have been getting. Right. Um, the one thing that I thought was interesting about it is that, yeah, she's confident, but um, retroactively, this is almost a really interesting character moment to serve the way she's been acting throughout the superior run, which is like kind of like clinging on to Peter. Because in a way, while she's going out and looking for another man, she's really not. She's looking for someone whose name she mistaked for Peter, Pietro. Um, which is close enough, who is a superhero of sorts in that he's a firefighter. And she's going about it with the th- same method that she used on Peter Parker, the face it, tiger, you just hit the jackpot. So in a way, she's kind of like, while she's saying she's going to like get over Peter and blah, 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 she's really just um, continuing onward in the exact same uh, method that she did before. And so in a way, it makes sense of out of how like cloying and clingy she had been to peter despite the way he's been treating her over the past several issues and what i like about it is that this dog jumps out on her and undoes like her own method so i'm hoping that this is a way that they can begin writing mary jane in a new light as she's challenged by someone who maybe doesn't like react to her being mj do do you see what i'm saying oh absolutely although of course the thing that you have to keep in mind is you know if she if she's too much her own person why are we going to be focusing on her in a spider-man book anymore i mean she's still somehow going to be defined by peter parker you know well it's because they know that we all want to see mj and peter together again we don't think that they don't know that you know and they're going to keep dangling that over us you know they're going to give us an mj whispering i love you under her breath 
and like not bring it up again for quite a while because well Peter's gone. They're gonna play with like the fact that we love I mean, that's why that second issue of Superior Spider Man was him and MJ kissing on the cover. They know that more than anything that like riles us up. Um, it's true. I mean, I I don't know. For me, I've kind of gotten over. I got over the MJ stuff years ago. I mean, I don't know. Like, it was it was fun while it lasted, and and I'll always think that the way they executed the breakup was horrendous. But I don't. You know, I, I've said this a couple of times on Chase and Amazing. I've never sat there in certain stories and been like, you know what, this story needs right now. Peter to be married to Mary Jane. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it just like I don't. I, I, you know, once they finally did the break and did stories with them not together, I I, I was fine with it. If that yeah, makes but sense. I've also really never thought. You know what this story needs? Peter to not be together with MJ. No, that's fair. That's fair. Well, yeah, but you know there are certain stories in the history where like the the marriage itself is kind of essential to the drama. I mean, you know, when we talked to Jam Demetrius at Connecticut. I mean, we talked about the fact like, I mean, Craven's last hunt doesn't work without that desperation of Peter being married, you know, like, so, I mean, there are times where like, it's critical to the story, but there's, there's, there's also just a lot of stories where it can go either way, you know? Like, yeah. I, I mean, my, my main point being, uh, you know, of supporting cast characters, I think all of us like faithful Spider-Man readers will always have a very special place for MJ in the book in that like, I know for me at least, she's the character I think I like second to Peter Parker um, and one that whose actions and adventures I will follow because I know if, inevitably they will reflect back on Peter in some way. Now, I'm not saying that's the way the book's going to go, but I wouldn't be surprised if we get all these stories with Mary Jane because when Peter comes back, you know, we'll want to see what their friendship is like and how he'll react to her being with someone else. Whatever it is, it creates drama because Mary Jane's life, it will always be filtered through Peter's life. We are reading a Spider-Man book. Right, right. Um, so what you're trying to tell me then is that the readership is not going to be faithful to ever to Carly Cooper, right? Carly Cooper, she of the leaving a very important voicemail message about someone, you know, not going near somebody because it's actually a murderer assuming that person's body. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, Carly is uh, a master of vagaries. Like she's just she's a master of vagaries and like of of you know just not getting to the point, right? I mean, like I I, I you know I I don't, I don't want to be one of those people that piles on Carly Cooper because I feel there's a lot of them out there. But I mean that that phone call was definitely a bit of a groaner for me, where it's just like, okay, uh, don't go near Peter, no matter what. Because I got some news. It's like, yeah. what? We're going to have like 13 more issues of Carly very slowly revealing one new like bit of information to Mary Jane over the phone. And Mary Jane's going to start her own investigation and track yes. down Carly's like phone message carrier in the <laughs> Cayman Islands or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super sleuth time. Get on your, get on your hats, gum shoes. We're about to, we're about to play some Carly Cooper style games. But I, I mean, but. Other than that, I mean, I was kind of, I don't want to say happy, but um, it was nice to see that Carly went, well, is planning to at least take her information someplace useful, meaning, meaning the Avengers, you know? Like, I know when she was like, oh, I'm not going to the police and going to the Avengers. It's like, yeah, 
of course, will they test Spidey for being a Skrull again? I don't know, but... <laughs> yeah, this was something we'll get to when we talk about Arms of the Octopus, but you have, like, an amateur Jean Grey there, and nobody ever talks about how she's a, you know, a psychic and can, and can do these things. Oh, wait, no, can Jean Grey read people's minds? Yes. yes. Yeah, so there you go. Um, yeah. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> Story over. <laughs> <laughs> um, just um, overall, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about Common Col- uh, Giuseppe Colmancoli's art here? Because I, I, I thought it was a real standout in this issue. Um, and you know me, I don't normally get too fixated on the art. That's normally your forte, Dan. But yeah. um, for me here, I mean, you know, it, it's funny. With the whole rotating cast of artists, I mean, it, I think the Colmancoli arcs so far have been some of my least favorite because – it's just kind of a, a, a one-note, one-dimensionality to – I don't even know if that's a real word, but I'm just going to use it anyway – to what he does. Um, but I felt with, like, the supporting cast, those not in costumes, the, the, the attention to detail and the realism and, and, and just kind of the richness of, of the real world that he put forward was really – great and like i kind of want common coley to do all these kind of day in the life issues going forward because i think he's really got a knack for it yeah it's funny because i used to say that i really liked his um his action over his people i thought his peter parker was kind of bug-eyed for a while and and a little too broad-faced but i i really love this issue's artwork um and i think it comes down to um who he's paired with um, you have Antonio Fabella on the colors, and I actually think he's much better suited to working with Common Coley than Edgar Delgado is. Um, Edgar works really well with Humberto Ramos um, and Ryan Stegman, I think, and yeah. maybe not so much with Common Coley. And I, I think this was really uh, a nice pairing. The colors pop a bit more here uh, compared to. Um, Delgado's really grounded, uh, earthy tones, which he discussed with us in a previous podcast. And um, so I love that. It really brings out more depth to Kamenkoli's pencils, which are, like, much lighter on, on inking. Yeah. Um, and so the colorist needs to step up. And John Dell's inking I also want to give a lot of credit to. He really does a wonderful job of varying the line width here a lot more than other times with Cumming Coley's art. And it, again, it, it breathes a lot more character um, into this, uh, this work. Um, there's the opening pages of this that are the memories of, um, of uh, when uh, Peter Parker died. I thought they were really haunting with the really muted color palette. What did you think of that? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Um... Yeah. <laughs> See, this is just that's that's my that's my um my good art analysis. I'm like uh, Thomas Hayden Church's character in Sideways, drinking wine. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and I'm chewing gum too. <laughs> what are your feelings about Merlot? <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> I mean, hold on. We kind of addressed this before, but Common uh, Coley's uh, Mary Jane. Wowza. Yeah, humana, humana, humana. I mean, uh, the, the image where she takes off her sunglasses, which you should be able to see down your iOS device, like the like, it, it really reminded me of like old school Silver Age Mary Jane. This oh, kind yeah. of like you know very like sultry vixen. Well, and then just to see her get muddied up by that dog and her mascara all over the place, I thought was hysterical. Yeah, but um, then like, but like even like someone like Anna Maria. 
looks good with yeah, Emma Foley she's hair. Yeah, she's super cute. Yeah, I mean, I mean, nothing against her or anything, but I mean, you know, we we talked about how in prior issues with other artists, I mean, she almost looked like a child, you know, and it kind of added to the creepy factor of Otto being with her. But you know, now it's just like, oh no, it's totally cool. She's just a lot shorter than he is, but. Other than that, she's cute, you know. <laughs> yeah, she actually looks like a woman in this. Yeah. Um, so that's for, that was nice to see. It could be that she's wearing her like pink, uh, like outfit. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was nice to see her uh, looking a bit more mature than she has in the past. Um, although I would say that sometimes, I mean, it's interesting because Kamen Coley really draws a really broad-faced Peter Parker. Um, mm-hmm. And there are some images I'm not a fan of. There's there's an image where Peter like loses it when Lamaz like you know corrects him, and he his face is so contorted, um, uh, you know. But but in a way, it's almost like Doc Ock is breaking through in, in those moments. Like yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I mean, why don't why don't we talk about the the ending there from a story for for a second? Because that's obviously going to be. I mean, we were talking earlier before about setting things up for a major fall. Um, you know, so Peter's Peter's scientific career is probably even more destroyed than it was when he got fired by Horizon. Now, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, he he uh, he will be caught for plagiarizing. And um, what I'm interested to see is the fallout with Aunt May. Um, you know, when he first left uh, grad school, they didn't talk for forever, and it took Nathan Lubinsky to uh, get them to talk again and Peter to come and apologize and make up, you know, his relationship with Aunt May. But what's it going to be like when she finds out that he didn't just not finish grad school. He like cheated his way, tried to cheat his way out of it. Um, what does that do to their relationship moving forward? No. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, it's, 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 that's, that's going to be something to watch. I mean, you know, like, you know, obviously plagiarism is a very, very serious charge and, you know, Otto seems to be planning vengeance of his own to prevent this from getting further. But I mean, you know, th- so then what are we going to have Spider-Man killing a, you know, uh, you know, frumpy, frumpy professor for, uh, <laughs> for, for this. I mean, you know, I mean, that's going to be just bad for Peter too, you know? And yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, what, but what does it do? Like Anna, Anna Maria is in that room there too. She sees this happening and then, you know, she's expected to be the vice president of his company. And then you've got, you know, Aunt May and, uh, J Jonah Jameson senior, um, who are investing money in him. Like all these people are going to be, massively disappointed like that all these things will come to naught you know um so that'll be interesting to see the fallout of although i do have some feel like questions like would dr octopus really be dumb enough to try and resell his the world on his arms technology you know i i see i I actually i liked i liked how slot tied that in I, i i thought that made sense because i think that Otto is is self-obsessed enough to to not realize that he's even plagiarizing himself <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean yeah. um you know like it's just you know this is my work you know what i mean like this is what i do and and what do you mean this has been published before i i i, I mean i know what you're saying i mean like it's it's it, he's reselling himself but like he's so self-absorbed and also i mean like they've they've made it readily clear that he was not taking 
he he thought that this was going to be too easy. So, I mean, did he even put the effort in that needed to be put in, you know? Yeah, at least to make it look like he didn't steal it from someone else. One thing that did bother me, though, is that Lamaze, uh, he there's a moment where he expresses that he and Ock are buddies. Like, that's how he knows about this. Like, he's like, oh, my esteemed colleague, like Otto Gunther Octavius. Uh, and it's like, wait a minute, didn't like a month or two ago in this world – like, Dr. Octopus tried to fry everyone on the planet? Like, would he really openly go, like, yeah, my buddy. Oh, you know, the giant mass murderer who tried to kill every living thing on the planet? That guy. Yeah, but it's academia. You know, we look past that stuff. <laughs> He's like, at least he was ambitious. Exactly. At least, at least he was a doctor. <laughs> yeah. He did it in the name of science. <laughs> okay, well, is there is there anything else? Oh, we, I guess we should talk about Stunner super quick here. Um, so Stunner is going to happen. Do, is is that exciting or no? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. We'll see what he makes of it. Uh, I didn't know who – I had no idea who to expect who this person was, this mysterious person in bed. And, of course, you have uh, the Madam Web, uh, all the spiders will die, which at this point I'm like – all right, we get it. Like, every time you show up, that's what, everything you have to say. Like, I'd love her just to be like, you know, oh, everyone will get a free croissant or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, hugs for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she can never have good news. Like, this, all of this, how many times are the spiders supposed to die? I don't know what that's going to mean, but okay, whatever. Um, yeah. But, yeah, did, did you, when you were first reading this, what, what were your thoughts, like, before the stunner reveal? Uh, I, I was with you. I'm like, what, what are we? What are we doing here? Who, who, who is this woman? You know what I mean? But I, 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 I didn't get too caught up in the speculation. I know some have, but I, I was kind of like, okay, whatever. You know. It's funny because as soon as I read it and it didn't come right back to it, I was like, oh man, now I'm gonna have to have a really intelligent guess as to who this is on Spider Talk because I had no clue. It was like, all right, fat, fat character who might be in a hospital. Uh, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> so I'm yeah. glad that we figured out who it was because yeah, and it's th- not Norman. It's not Normie Osborne. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, uh, did Norman get fat all of a sudden? Is this gonna be? <laughs> is this gonna be him? And uh, we did get a surprise uh, appearance from Shashan again, so that was nice. Yeah, that that was that was definitely a moment where I was like, all right, look at look at Slot going going onto the to the the bench, the deep on the bench to to pull out some supporting characters. Yeah, I mean, we've seen her relatively recently when she was uh, giving Aunt May, you know, more support, like she was in this issue. So you know, it's nice to just see her around. Yes, because um, she's got one of the most convoluted histories of a character ever. Yeah, well, you know, like she was <laughs> I'm not even getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, um, Mark, what was your grade for this issue? Um, to me, it was an, uh, another good issue. I gave it a B plus. And this might be the first time ever, Mark, but um, I'm a little higher than you. Oh, um, boy. These are the How issues that I read for. You would be high, Panama Red. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving this one an A minus. I, uh, I I felt something reading this, and it, it kind of hurt me. Uh, all the bad things that have been happening to Spider-Man in the past were happening to Spider-Man, but this stuff happened to Peter Parker, and that makes me really care. All right. Righteous. Um, why don't we, because we kind of sort of promised it in our last episode, talk very quickly about um, the three-part Arms of the Octopus uh, miniseries. Mm-hmm. 
I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. He'd let us in, knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade. Um, so, Mark, uh, I know you were feeling kind of iffy on this uh, last time. How did it all wrap up for you? Well, I mean, <laughs> it confirms my concerns in terms of that. I mean, I think the the events of this series are clearly going to just be confined to the three crossover issues. Um, you know, there's, there's no carryover. There's no consequences from any of this, um, which is just disappointing to me because I feel like this was a concept like bringing back Doc Ock, given the history that it felt like a wasted opportunity to me because um, I don't know. I mean, given the history of the character, um, you know, he has been resurrected before, um, you know, it, to me, it would have been interesting if like, you know, the hand had brought him back again for some reason and just to screw with Spider-Man, you know, not knowing the circumstances. And of course, given the current status quo i mean like it just it, it almost kind of felt like a little bit of a a, a a jab at people who are like really clamoring to find loopholes to bring peter back um you know maybe he'd be back in the body of doc ock or whatever i mean who knows um so it, it just it just the fact that they did it and they kind of you know used that bullet so to speak um, the characterization in the last issue, the superior team-up issue, is really out of whack for me. I mean, I know we've kind of talked a little bit in the past about redeeming Otto, but, like, he was, like, a nice guy in that comic. I mean, like, too nice, right? I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, I agree. I agree. It didn't bother me as much as I know it bothered you, but I, I, um, I, when I was reading it, I was thinking, I was like, wow, he's a real team player. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I just, like, there's that one scene where he's trying to explain things to, to Iceman, and he's just like, yeah, why don't you go talk to Cyclops? And I'm like, you know, if this was, like, Dan Slott or even Chris Yost, Superior Spider-Man, like, you know, Bobby Drake probably would have been a puddle. But, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, and, like, you know, like, the fact, like, with Jean Grey, he's, like, coaching her instead of being like, listen, woman. You know, like, it's just, which, look, it's good. It's good, but, like, if it's not consistent with how he's in all the other comics and what's the point, you know what I mean? Like, like it's not like he's, he, he, he learned to be a team player in this series and that's now going to carry over to superior Spider-Man or superior, that superior team up. I mean, you know, yeah. like, you know, I mean, team ups in the midst of this other arc about the sinister six. And it's like, to me thus far has been really uncomfortable for me. So like, you know, like who am I re who am I cheering for in this, in this comic? Nobody. Um, so, you know, to kind of like flip this totally on its ear and have, you know, Doc Ock with, you know, Hulk's puppies, essentially <laughs> hugging and caressing <laughs> them. Um, so yeah, I, I just, it just, it just did not, it missed the mark for me. I mean, it, it wasn't a complete failure. It, it was fun. The art was fun, but uh, you know, like at four ninety nine a pop for three of these, I, I, I expected more. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, although I think. I, like one thing I will say about it is I thought that the writing was really fun and enjoyable and we spent a good time with everybody. And it's something that I think is rare for a team up book like this. Like normally when you read a team up book, it's like, uh, 
they'll have like a key player and everybody else is just kind of playing second fiddle. You know, like Marvel team ups, like it wasn't an equal team up most of the time. It was Spider Man's book and then someone else like providing a little bit of spice or an extra superpower here or there. Yeah, but oh, absolutely. In this one, I really felt like everybody, especially because they each had their own series, due diligence, but like in each book, even, I felt like everybody had a role to play. And it was balanced equally, and everybody got equal characterization time. And I really enjoyed that because I really felt like it made me actually intrigued in checking out, you know, all new X Men and, 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 you know, Incredible Hulk, um, or was it Indestructible Hulk right now? Um, right. And, you know, the characterizations were fun um, and uh, the kind of moralizing. I was like, okay, like this is kind of a sweet, like done, done tale. But yeah, I don't think it needed to be as expensive as it was and, and as, you know, overdone as it was. But I, I had a really great time reading them. I thought it was fun, old school thrills with little, yeah, little at stake, but, but it was a, a fun read. I just wish it cost a little bit less. Um, and also there was a couple dangling storylines that I would have liked to see wrapped up. Like I kind of, grew attached to beast you know in his time in this book yeah. hank, hank mccoy and uh you know he has this relationship with this girl which i was like this is really cute i want to see where this goes and it's just not touched on in the superior spider-man issue and i would have liked to at least see like that get wrapped up a little bit like oh does he have a time traveling girlfriend now like what what's the deal uh after that was like the main like you know thrust of the first issue um, that kind of bothered me because I wanted to see Hank McCoy get a, at least a kiss. Yeah, I'm with you. Hank McCoy's a great character. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I, I generally agree with you. I just, like I said, there, there are some things that strike me as, as you know, as being a little, be, me being a little more cynical. Sure. Um, sure. And, and, you know, like, you know, I said this in one of my, I think it was my write up on the second one, the second part of this. And, you know, I had a people on Twitter who kind of commented to me in agreement. So, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything, but like it, there was, there was kind of an, an, as much as this was like kind of old school, there was also a nineties esque feel. And the fact that like, you know, the nineties to me, you know, when we talked to our good friend, Danny Figueroth, you know, he talked about all the different Spider-Man titles he edited when he was group editor, because they just kept pumping out more and more of these like minis and offshoots and all this kind of stuff. And like, you know, this, 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 book came out this this series came out at a point where we have superior twice a month we had team up that was kind of you know the 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 schedule there kind of got a little more aggressive we have carnage we have um marvel knights spider-man coming up we had you know we got the amazing spider-man point ones coming out in a couple of months you got venom you got scarlet spider i mean all these things that tie into the spider-verse and it was just like i felt like and here's one more title for that's going to cost you 15 dollars, and it's like you know what, and what did we gain from it in the end? Just you know, fifteen dollars lighter in the wallet to me. You know, like it's it's. I don't know. That's just me being cynical about nineties. <laughs> yeah, and maybe we're suckers because like it's kind of nice to go. Oh, we don't need to buy this, but it would have been nice to know maybe up front like this won't have ramifications. But like that's not a way to ab- advertise something. No, I don't think I don't think that'll ever work. It's I, always going to be a game changer. <laughs> and I think really we should just be smarter at this point and say like, you know what? Like none of the side titles are really going to have any real ramifications. That's uh, fair. But and, I mean, that's, but that goes back to my original point with like, then why bring back doc, doc, Ock 
in this way. Well, it was clearly yeah. a cheap way of uh, of getting more sales. I mean, he had, it had nothing to do with Doc Ock. It could have been anybody that came back. You know, of course, he's of not course. even in the final issue as uh, as uh, Mike Dialinas kind of hinted at, towards you. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, see, he, when I when I was talking to him about a commission, I said, "Oh, well, you d- you know, I, this was before the issue came out." I was like, "Can we maybe do something with Doc Ock?" I said, "I know you draw, you know, you draw him in the issue." He was like, "I draw parts of him." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what, I want one, one, one more one more oh, thing uh, uh, is that uh, there's this interesting moment where Doc Ock is down in the basement of this like robot dwelling. Mm-hmm. And he comes across his old, the old version of his arms, and he's like, I could really have used these, you know. And I wonder if the reason that he's written so differently in this final issue is if it was written a while ago and shelved and just pushed to later. Because in that moment, he already has his spider arms on the back of his suit. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? And he wouldn't need those Doc Ock arms. Yeah, so, like, I-, I wonder if it was supposed to come out when the original – he was wearing the original costume back when we were going through this redemption arc, and it was just delayed a little bit, um, and that's why that doesn't match up and why the personality doesn't really match up. It's possible. I mean, you know, again, going back to Michael Fialinas, I mean, he, he made it sound like, I mean, he I think he got word of this in, like, August or something. Oh, really? So, yeah, but, but but that was from the art side, so maybe this, maybe it had been scripted in advance. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, so, uh, yeah, what did you think about this issue? I, I gave it a C, you know, like, which, you know, I probably made it sound like I'd go lower than that, but it, it was average. Yeah, for me, it's like a B minus. I had a fun time with it, but it's not going to rock my world. And I'm a higher than you again. Maybe I'm just in a good mood today. I'm going to say, I think, I think, I think you're feeling, feeling positive about your comic books. That's all right. Um, so why don't, why, don't we, why don't we take things down the classic road here? Octopus War Art from Spectacular Spider-Man 73 to 79. Uh, we chose this one because we thought it might put a little bit of context for the uh, spy- Superior Spider-Man Black Cat altercation in um, issue 20. Um, because, you know, in um, the Owl Octopus Wars, just to kind of do a quick recap of what's going on, um, you know, Doc Ock and the Owl are warring over you know, gang supremacy in New York, except, you know, the owl is just kind of after, you know, power and money. And Doc Ock wants to blow up the world because he's Doc Ock. Um, And he hires uh, Black Cat to steal kind of a MacGuffin little blow-up device for him. And Black Cat um, screws him over. And Doc Ock does not take to it too lightly. And uh, during a big, big, big brawl, um... Basically, his goon pretty much killed 
Felicia, except she manages to survive despite, it's like, what, like 900 bullets going through her or something ridiculous? She's riddled um, with bullets. Her body, there's no way. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of insane, but, you know, suspension of disbelief and all that. Um, but, but this is actually um, one of my all-time favorite uh, spectacular arcs, and I actually think it might be my favorite um, Spider-Man Doc Ock confrontation save maybe Superior 9. Um, I mean, I know, obviously, Master Planner arc from, that we talked about last episode is a big one, but, you know, Spider-Man and Doc Ock never really have that big battle in in that arc. I mean, it's more about Spider-Man overcoming, you know, adversity in other ways. Where this, I mean, you know, they really do go toe-to-toe. You know, in one issue, Spidey pulls off his arms, which was, like, a major shock to me at the, at the time. It was just then uh, replicated in Ultimate Spider-Man. Of course, but, you know, hey, give, give, give Spectacular and Bill Mantlo and Al Mil- Milgram their due. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely, and, I do. And then, um, you know, and then there's this, this the, the other element of the Peter Black Cat romance, which is, like, really starting to take off at that point, you know. Uh, this, this came on the heels of a, a Roger Stern two-parter in ASM, where he kind of started to put Felicia back on the straight and narrow path for, for a while. Um, before he, like, she, like, disappears and is presumed dead. So her, her reappearance here is, like, a big deal to Peter. Um, and, you know, Otto, after getting his arms ripped off, is basically coming back for, for blood. He wants to, he wants to kill Peter and you have, or kill Spider-Man, excuse me. And you have this, this really amazing issue, which is the, the penultimate issue where Peter kind of like senses the end is near and Black Cat's in the hospital and, you know, like he's, he's visiting with her, but then he starts to like, touch base with all of his friends and family and you know they're like oh why don't we do this more and he's just kind of there's this this such a sadness and fear um to that issue and and it ends with this really amazing panel which is not something i would normally say about al milgram's art uh of spider-man like leaping out the hospital window to go after doc ock and it's like you know there's no time for goodbyes only time for death is is the only words on the page and it's like i don't know like to me it's like that's like a top spider-man moment to me like that's just chilling to me even just talking about it yeah i'm i i'm not a huge like nut for this this uh arc and the arcs that follow it but i will say like it's all worth it just for that moment the the goodbyes and the jumping out the window um which I think was then like a lot of the uh, inspiration for Sam Raimi's work in Spider-Man 2 and the way that he used like forced perspective to create like that kind of nausea of heights while Spider-Man and Doc Ock fight on the side of a building. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, it, it, it does all lead up to that moment and that moment is definitely the, the, the apex of the story. But, I mean, I do feel... The conclusion, I mean, what's what's interesting about the actual fight, you know, Spider-Man does prevail, obviously, and, and beats Doc Ock pretty good. And, and it kind of like I felt did some long-term damage to Doc Ock because, you know, going forward, you know, we, we had the, the, the Doc Ock is afraid of Spider-Man storyline. And, and the, the web of Spider-Man storyline where he tries to come back and do his master planner a bit again. Yeah, and yeah. And then... 
like goes to fight Spider-Man and just literally chickens out right in front of his face. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, you know, for this once great character, I mean, it really kind of had to, I mean, you know, Doc Ock needed to get taken out of the rotation for a while, I think, because of the damage that was done to this character, um, which I don't know if, if that detracts from the story. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's using hindsight here because, I mean, obviously Dan Slott's been able to salvage Doc Ock as the upper pantheon again. Um, but you know, like it, it's, it, there was, there was a sense of finality to the, the, the relationship in this ish, in, in these issues. Um, and I think that's part of what elevates it to me because I mean, Doc Ock has always been my favorite villain, even more so than Green Goblin. I, I mean, I feel like he's always been the better match and like, you know, this, this felt like a satisfying ending to the confrontational relationship they had until obviously what we're going to get, I'm assuming down the line from Dan Slott, because that, that, that confrontation of Peter coming back is probably going to blow this one out of the water just based on the emotional tenor behind it. But, you know, overall, like, like I said, this, this is, I, I probably, in terms of spectacular stories, rank this up there with the JMD, um, the child within arc. And yeah, I'm placing both of those over Gene DeWolf. I have, I have actually have a, a few issues with Gene DeWolf, uh, the death of Gene DeWolf story from Peter David. I mean, it's a, it's a brilliant story, but I do see flaws in it that I think people kind of overlook because of how different and edgy of a story it is. But I mean, to me, Al Octopus Wars just feels like a good old fashioned, true to the character Spider-Man story. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty huge deal. Um, I I don't really have a lot of like room to talk about this, but I kind of want to bring it up here and talk about it a little bit the Black Cat Spider Man romance. I mean, what better time than when he's you know encountering Black Cat in the Superior era? Um, it uh, kind of bothered me what happened with it after this storyline that we're talking about. Um, yeah, it gets weird, right? <laughs> it's super strange because she goes to the hospital to heal from being riddled with bullets. And she's there for, like, a good ten issues at least. And Spider-Man is, like, checking in on her all the time. And it's basically like reading, like, an Archie comic where he's, like, swinging around the city. And all he can do is think about her all the time, which, okay, fine. He's a little obsessed. But it gets even weirder when he, like, comes back to her hotel room. And first off, everybody in the hospital is, like, totally cool with Spider-Man, like, entering in and out through the window and taking the elevator up to see her with flowers and stuff. And it's like, okay, this is a little odd. And that they know that Felicia is the black cat. But then the weirdest moment of all is when Felicia's mother comes to visit her and she's, like, totally cool with Felicia, like, dating Spider-Man and being black cat. She's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's nice to meet your boyfriend. And it's like, uh, it's a dude in like red and blue pajamas <laughs> who just entered the window. Like, I don't know yeah. who you are, but like, I don't know. Every time I read the Bill Mantlo run of Spectacular Spider-Man, that whole stuff, I just, it's a storyline that I never get into because I'm just like, what is this? Like, what is this lovey-dovey, like, preteen relationship that's going on here? It's it's definitely oddly characterized, but I mean, I, I, I guess my only defense for it is that, um, 
to me, obviously, Black Cat is the most unique of all the the loves of Spider-Man. And because, I mean, she was, you know, she was the one woman that loved him as Spider-Man and for being Spider-Man. Like, she, she it wasn't about Peter Parker. She didn't want to know who Peter Parker was. She only wanted to be with Spider-Man, which, of course, creates other complications. But um, for, for someone as kind of perpetually insecure and, and uh, as as Peter, I would have to imagine that, like, you know, I mean, it's the polar opposite of, like, what he had with Gwen and, and what he ended up having even with MJ, where, I mean, you know, MJ obviously came to accept it. But, you know, there was that those scenes in the, the, the Falco Friends issues where she's just like, I can't bear with knowing that you're doing this. And obviously with Gwen, it was, you know, he could never come out to her because she she thought spider-man was was a villain and you know so like to have that love i think might explain why spidey at least was so kooky and we always kind of felicia was always kind of established as not having you know she was a few nuts short of a squirrel's lunch you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's an interesting defense of it uh you know it's not the worst thing it's just like I think really my big problem is just it went on for far too long. You know, like, yeah. is she lying to him? What secret does he have that she doesn't, you know, oh, she doesn't, like, I, you know that this thing is going to go down in flames. Like, just get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I mean, to, to be fair, in these in these issues, the Al Octopus issues, it's, at that point, it's it's still in its infancy. So, I mean, I don't feel like, I don't feel like it drags on it storyline i mean you're what you're focusing on is really kind of the after effects right? yeah no th- this storyline is great uh the after effects are, are what i wanted to address and i thought it was just in in topic with what we were discussing because we're talking black cat and spider-man's relationships so oh absolutely no 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 i i mean it was totally relevant i just i just wanted to to you know for, for those who had not gotten around to reading this yet i i, I don't want you know i just want to make sure they weren't like looking for it and being like wait a second I, Where's the scene with the mother? <laughs> um, but where's the scene with her and Milk? Wait, no, that's something totally different. <laughs> no, um, but you know, again, I'm 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 glad though that we we at least got um, kind of a peek at that re- relationship from the from the Doc Ock perspective in Superior Twenty because, you know, it gives me an excuse to talk about a storyline that I I really really like and you know. Dan, maybe you can throw the link in here to um, when I wrote about it um, some time ago as one of my more favorite spectacular arcs. Yeah, and if you, you're one of those people that only reads like Amazing and is looking for one of the key storylines to read from Spectacular, you know, you can skip over the issues about Swarm, you know, a, a Nazi skeleton covered in bees. Um, and, you, <laughs> you can, uh, and you can read this one instead. Right, but, you know, you may not want to miss the Lightmaster and 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 Shashan, she's that's that's her and that or is that team up? Oh man, I'm 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 confusing my my Bronze Age here. No, Shashan is in spectacular. Okay, okay. When she's uh, B- brother, is, sister, son. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And uh, you don't want to miss uh, Razorback. Well, hey, he was like he was the good buddy from from the South, so you know. I kind of like him. I'm going to be honest. That's okay. I mean, you know, when I think when you first described Razorback to me, I, I had not read the issues yet. And I'm like, what is this? And then I read it. I'm like, oh, that's harmless. Yeah. Anyway. 
this next next episode of Superior Spider Talk, an analysis of Razorback. No. Uh, <laughs> why, don't, why don't we wrap things up, Dan? Yeah, uh, great. <laughs> I think I think going out on Razorback is the way to go. <laughs> of course, you can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.podomatic.com or find us on iTunes by searching for Superior Spider Talk. And if you do, please leave a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. We didn't get any this time, so come on, listeners. you got to step it up a little bit. Keep giving us the comments because that's the only way that we're going to grow as a, uh, a group here and, and in our listenership is by you guys leaving um, more comments. And uh, we, did, go ahead. we did get some artwork, didn't we? We did get some artwork um, from Zeke, a good, good friend of the show. Um, he's, he's sending some artwork, and I'll feature it right here in the podcast. So look down at your player. He uh, drew uh, episode 20 scene with me interacting with Uncle Ben at the Mets game. So uh, there you go. You can take a look at that, <laughs> which you, I Zeke. thought was about the coolest thing ever. So there you go, Zeke. Um, and uh, so, yeah. Um, and, of course, if you have any opinions on these comics or any questions, you can email them to us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read them on the air. So we're going to do that next time because we actually have some reader emails to read. Uh, also, be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superior spider talk because it's a great place to keep up with us in between shows. Uh, Dan and I will often put up articles that we've written or photos from or, and illustrations from fans like Zeke uh, and breaking news about the Spider-Man universe and how to get in touch with us. So where can we find you, Dan? Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazdin. You can go check out my website, dangavazdin.com, or read all my movie reviews on grindmyreels.com. Good stuff. Mark, what about yourself? Okay, well, as always, you can find me at chasingamazingblog.com. Uh, all through the month of November, we're going to be doing some reader requests. Uh, the, the first of those reader requests went up. Uh, probably by the time you listen to this, it'll be last week. Uh, it's about the Cosmic Spidey arc. Uh, so uh, look for that and look for more reader request posts coming forward. Uh, you can find me on Chasing... Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chasing ASM Blog. You can find me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Chasing Amazing. And you can find me on the Gimmick or Good column at Comics Should Be Good. Mark, uh, all that stuff is so wonderful. Like it's it's for free for us to read. It's like a pr- getting a present from you. And speaking of which, yeah, it was my birthday the other day. Oh my goodness! Happy birthday, Dan. Thanks, Mark. Um, actually, my birthday's in July. But for the for the merit of this story, it was my birthday. Okay. Okay. And uh, you know, I had a, a special visitor for my birthday. Really? Was was it was it Bill Cosby as Ghost Dad? No, it wasn't. It was Doctor Strange. And you know what? He came and he gave me a special gift. It was in a box. And I opened it up. And it kind of transported me back to a younger day in my youth. And um, all these mysterious figures like were, were coming back to me who I hadn't seen from years ago. But then there was this like image of this old gray-haired man who came up to me. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong uh, memory here. Um, but I do know your friend Mark. Oh, I know who that is. That's Uncle Ben, and I bet he had some great advice for us, which would be, with great podcasts must also come superior spider talk. <laughs>